Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Crestview Baptist Church this morning. I am so glad to have you with us. Um, thank you for choosing to come and worship with us on this beautiful Sunday morning. If you're a guest or visitor with us for the first time, um, there are, we, we welcome you especially. There are some cards in the pews in front of you. If you could, if you could fill one of those out, they say visitor card on them, and drop it in the offering box on the way out just so we can get to know you a little better. And um, I'm going to make announcements short and sweet this morning. Uh, it's, it's, or I am anyway. Jim's sitting up here waiting. I don't know. He's going to talk for an hour, I think. I don't know. No, I'm just kidding, Jim. Um, so uh, don't forget we have a business meeting as uh, soon as service is open today. I mean, it finishes today. Um, a few things. Uh, Terry uh, does plan on having a work day Thursday night at 6 o'clock if you can be here. Uh, that's assuming we don't have our typical uh, afternoon thunderstorm come through. Um, I, I, I think there may be some things in here. I had a youth event scheduled this week with Hands On Mission, and uh, Stephen Hogg called me and left me a message yesterday, and uh, that event is canceled. So uh, just uh, listen to maybe some, something may change later this week. Um, we got breakfast coming up August 6th, don't forget about that, and then on uh, July 31st, we have our church-wide picnic down at the creek. Um, don't forget about our revival services that are listed in your bulletins coming up in September. I'm excited about that, but more importantly, I'm excited about our service today. So I am going to turn it over to Mr. Jim here, and he's going to share some information with you, and we are going to get this show on the road. Morning. I just wanted to make sure everybody remembers today is the day where we were collecting the nomination uh, forms for the deacon elections upcoming. Is there anyone in the congregation who has not yet received a form or hadn't filled one out? If anybody needs one, okay, over here's one. Uh, I got some guys to hand some out. Anybody else need one? We got a couple over there, Larry. And, and okay, so make sure you keep your hand up until you get a form. And uh, we will be collecting the forms at the end of the business meeting. If anybody wants to leave after the service and not stay for the meeting, you can put it in the offering box on the way out. We'll, we collect them out of there, too. So anybody else need a form? Okay, great. Just want to make sure everybody had that opportunity. And uh, we'll be, like I said, we'll be collecting those after the meeting. And that's all I have. And I think I'm supposed to turn it over to Marty. the results of the, the pathology report to come back for him. 
but he is at home. He is experiencing pain, so continue to pray for him. Now, if you will, please join me in, in prayer as we begin our service together. Our blessed Lord and Savior, we come before you right now humbly, bowing before your throne. Dear Lord, I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for the fact that even though we face troubles every day, that, dear Lord, you are still on your throne, that you are still in the life-changing business. And, dear Lord, you are still the great physician. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for these two that are going to be baptized today. I thank you for the change in their life that you have brought forth through the saving grace of Jesus Christ. I thank you for their belief, and I thank you for their desire to show everybody an outward expression of what has happened into them and being buried with Christ. Lord, I thank you. As we come together as your people today, I ask you to, to be with Whitey and, and to be with Wanda and to be with, with Marty and all the others that are on our prayer list as they are continuing to deal with things, whether it's physical, financial, mental, whatever it is, dear Lord. But you are the one. You are the only one that can take care of every problem. You are the one that promises us that if we cast your cares upon you, that you will take care of them. And dear Lord, we thank you for that. Now dear Lord, I ask you that I know me personally that there's all kinds of things going on today for me. But I ask you for this short while that your spirit moves, that your spirit fills this place so that just for this short while we can fully concentrate on you, that your Holy Spirit will open our hearts, open our ears so that we will hear your word today, that we will hear your voice today. And dear Lord, whether it be what we do here in this baptistry or the words we sing as Sandra leads us or what we hear Chad share in his children's sermon and what the children hear in children's church or what I share from the pulpit today, dear Lord. That it be an honor and glory to you that people's lives will be changed because of the Jesus gospel of Jesus Christ today. And we ask all of this in the holy and precious name of Jesus Christ our Savior. Amen. This is Skylar Blackburn. Last Sunday, Skylar came after the service Chad, pastor chad brought her in and skylar had prayed to accept jesus christ as her savior last week and she came wanting to let us know about that skylar you're 10 years old right huh how old are you eight whoa eight years old people eight years old and she understands that she needs jesus christ 
and she has come to follow him in believer's baptism. So, Skyler, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior? And you're ready to, to be baptized and show everybody what that meant to you? Okay. So, Skyler Blackburn, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in the newness of life. Come on, Frank This is Corey Achenbaugh. He's worried that I will call him by his middle name, which I'm not even going to mention. But if you know, you know. Corey has been coming for a while. And he was one of our graduates that we recognized from graduating from Crest High School this past uh, May. But Corey, I went to his house to talk to him and his mother, and Corey expressed the fact that he had prayed to accept Christ as his personal Savior, and he wanted to, to be baptized and to become part of our church family here. So, Corey, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Are you ready to follow him and, and be obedient and following him in, in baptism? Okay. So, Corey Ockenbaugh, I'll baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in the newness of life. Thank you for being here. Thank you for celebrating this. We are actually going to leave our baptistry full because I fully expect others to come to know Christ and want to join us and follow him in obedience and baptism. Thank you, Sandra. We sing hymn 425. He keeps me singing. Peace within my heart, a melody. Jesus whispers sweet and low. And I am with thee, peace be still. In all of life's ebb and flow. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Sweetest name I know Fills my every longing 
invite the kids to come down forward this morning. Alright guys, I am so glad to have each and every one of you here this morning. We are going to start something different over the next eight weeks. I think I'm going to do a children's sermon that's going to last eight weeks. Isn't that weird? No? So here's what we're going to do. Uh, I got a question. Uh, who, who likes to, who, who prays? Do you guys pray and talk to God? Who has ever been asked to pray like out loud and kind of got intimidated and not know what to say? I don't know what to say, right? We all get that way. Prayer can be, it can sound intimidating because you think, you know what? It's God. What am I going to say? But guess what? God is our friend. He is our creator. He is our Father in heaven. He loves us very, very much and He wants us to come to Him and talk to Him just like you would call your friends up and talk to them. So what we're going to be doing over the next eight weeks is you guys are going to be tasked with learning something. We're going to learn something called the Lord's Prayer. And each week during the children's sermon, we are going to break down one line in the Lord's Prayer and what it means. And today, we are going to break down a very, very simple line in the Lord's Prayer. The first line of the Lord's Prayer is, Our Father who art in heaven. That seems simple. But it means a lot. I want you to think about your dads. Dads are pretty awesome, right? Dads, the dads are awesome. Well, I want you to think how awesome your dad is. And then I want you to multiply that by like a zillion. Because as awesome as our dads are, God is our Father in heaven. He created us. Isn't that cool that God created us? He created the, everything around us. And so, I want you to think as God, as your Father in heaven. And that's what this is talking about. And that's what we're going to talk about as we go through this. So, when you think about your dad and how awesome he is, I want you to, when we pray, think about how great and awesome God is. And so when we, get, when we get done with this, I'm going to have you guys come in here one day and you guys are going to stand in front of everybody and you guys, we're gonna, you're going to show that you've learned the Lord's Prayer. Mm, we're going to do that. So we, that's a while away though. So let's bow our heads and we are going to go to Children's Church shortly.
I'm going to sit over there when we're done, and we are going to talk about this even more and break this down and start learning that Lord's Prayer, okay? Let's bow our heads and go to the Lord. God, thank you for so much for being our creator, for being the creator of the universe and being our heavenly father. Lord, help these kids and me learn the importance of prayer and learn the importance of what it means to recognize that you are our heavenly father. Lord, be with us as we go into Bible study and as we play and as we have fun. Keep us safe. And uh, just all this we ask in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, guys. Just sit over there. Do any of you ever wake up in the middle of the night and you just can't go back to sleep? It seems like no matter how sleepy you were when you went to bed, if you wake up in the middle of the night, the worst thing you can do is think. So my tip is, don't think. But you get something on your mind, whether it's a relationship, whether it's your job, uh, whether it's finances, whether it's a doctor's report. You get something on your mind in the middle of the night, you can forget going back to sleep for a while. Well, that being said, hold on to that thought. Most of you know the story of Paul and Silas because they were spreading the good news about Jesus. They were arrested. They were beaten until their backs were raw. They were put in stocks. Now, stocks weren't comfortable. They put your ankles and then your hands and they had the bars that came down so that you couldn't move, but you were in a squatted sitting position. So here's your back all bent up for hours upon hours. And the wounds from the beaten were not treated. They were miserable. But at midnight, while still in the stocks, they went to praising Jesus. They went to singing songs about Jesus. And because of that, God caused their chains to be loosened. They were set free. So the next time you have one of those nights when you can't sleep, you might not go back to sleep, but the best thing you can do is just say, Jesus, 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 I bless your name. And if you're being kept away by demons, well, they're going to run. <laughs> but I, I just plead with you, when you've got issues and it's on your mind, turn it over to Jesus, our Lord and Savior.
Thank you, choir. Last week, I started a sermon series that we're going to continue. Last week, I preached, that's not, a, that's not Christianity, or that's not a Christian. And how we are being told what a Christian is and what a Christian isn't. Well, today, I actually want to answer the question, or at least scratch the surface of what is a Christian? So as we look at that, I want to ask you to go ahead and turn your Bibles. We're going to look, start off with one verse. Acts chapter 11, verse 26. It's printed on in your bulletin as well as it'll be on your screen. Or you can look it up in your Bible, which is, is preferable. But if you don't, but if you would stand in honor of the reading of God's Word as I read this. Now, now remember, Luke... The same Luke that wrote the Gospel of Luke is writing the book of Acts, recording the life and development of the early church, starting with Pentecost, going through the missionary journeys of Paul. So let's look at this, at what he says here. In verse 26 of chapter 11, he says, and when he had found and when he had found him he brought him to Antioch and it came about that for an entire year they met with the church and taught considerable numbers and the disciples were called Christians in Antioch let's go to the lord in prayer the lord we come before you again Asking you to bless this time. Thank you for what we see recorded in Luke, or in, in Acts, written by Luke. And dear Lord, help us to understand what a Christian is. And dear Lord, may your spirit move today. And it's in the holy and precious name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, we pray. Amen. So, the term Christian or the name Christian is only recorded three times in the entire Bible. It's only used three times. So let's look at those. I've already read one. Acts chapter 11, verse 26. And it actually says that the disciples, in this verse, the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Very first time that, that, that term had been used to describe the disciples or the followers of Christ was, was here in Antioch. And then again in Acts chapter 26, verse 28, it says Agrippa replied to Paul. This is King Agrippa that he was, was witnessing to and sharing the gospel. And, and Agrippa replied to Paul, In a short time you will persuade me to become a Christian. I believe the King James Version says, I am almost persuaded to become a Christian. That's the second time it's used in the Scripture. And then in 1 Peter 4.16, But if anyone suffers as a Christian, he is not to be ashamed, but is to glorify God in this name. Whose name? Whose name? Jesus. Christ, choir saying, bless your name. Whose name? Jesus. Now the dictionary 
definition. I looked it up to see what the dictionary says. The definition of Christian. And Merriam-Webster defines Christian as one who professes belief in the teachings of Jesus Christ. Now I'm going to interject something right there. And I'm going to say very bluntly, that is a false definition of a Christian. Because I want to ask you, does the Scripture say that we must put our faith and trust in the teachings of Jesus Christ? What must we put, who must we put our faith and trust in? Jesus. Not His teachings, but the person. Him. The Son of God. He alone is able to provide salvation. Not His teachings. Now, His teachings are very important. Please do not misunderstand that. But believing in the teachings of Jesus Christ is not going to do you an ounce of good unless you know Jesus Christ Himself. Okay? This definition shows that the term Christian has lost a great deal of its significance and is often used of someone that is religious or, high, or have a high moral value, but may or may not be a true follower of Jesus Christ. What do I mean by that? Well, I mean this. This poll taken in the early 2000s here in America showed that 92% of all Americans, 92% believe in God, while 83% call themselves Christians. Now again, I'm going to make a bold statement. I don't believe 83% of the people in this congregation right now literally know Jesus Christ as their Savior. So I have a hard time believing that 83% of all Americans believe in Jesus Christ as their Savior. Why? Because the definition of Christian that the world uses includes people that are just religious. Another bold statement time. Christianity is not a religion. It is not for religious people. Christianity is a relationship between us and God. It is not religion. It's not following a set of traditions. It's not following a set of, of moral guidelines. It is a living, breathing relationship with a living, breathing Savior that loved us so much even while we weren't lovable, He died for us. So I have a hard time believing that. So you have rappers that their music you can't even listen to because it's so full of vulgarities. The F-bomb. Talking about doing certain things to certain women. But they wear a cross around their neck and say they're a Christian. But there is nothing whatsoever that shows that there's anything Christian about them. You have actors and actresses and politicians that claim that they are Christians, but nothing that they show in their life says that they know Jesus Christ. 
In fact, this past Wednesday, if you weren't here, you did not get a chance to meet, but, but I have come in contact with and met and got to know a, a gentleman by the name of Pastor James from Uganda, East Africa. And as I was talking to him and getting to know him, some of the things that we deal with here in America is very foreign. He finds very strange. To him, we would consider our, or we consider ourselves a small church, which we rightly should. We are not a mega church. We are not a huge church. But to him, we are a huge church because of, of what he, they have there in Uganda. But from knowing some other missionaries and talking with them, the, the term Christian, they don't use that in their ministry because the term Christian has become so corrupted and so watered down that it does not mean what it used to mean. If they were to tell someone that they were a Christian, the majority of the world think of Christians as being a Western European or American thing. And it goes along with everything else that is considered to be American. And so it doesn't mean in different parts of the world what we think it means or that we want it to mean. Because it has been so corrupted and so watered down. Last week I talked about that uh, taking the Lord's name in vain. That's what has happened. That people claiming the name of Christ and being a Christian have taken His name in vain to the point where it doesn't mean what it should anymore. So the, I want to look at the definition or how the word was used, the, term, the name Christian, how it was used during the writing of the New Testament. Well, for the first thing, and back in verse 11, verse 26, they were first called Christians. The disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. The term Christanus is the Greek word used by the unbelievers in Antioch to refer to believers. Those that did not know Christ called those that followed Christ Christanus. It was a slang word. It was a vulgar word. It was given as an insult. But it literally means follower of or party of Christ. Part of the party of Christ. And here's some fact about the use of this term Christian from the early days of the church. The name Christian was not invented by early Christians. It was a name given to them by others. Christians called themselves by different names. As we go through Acts on Wednesday night, we'll see this, that they refer to themselves as disciples. They refer to themselves as believers, as brethren, as saints. 
the elect, and etc. But they never refer to themselves as Christian. The term originally had a negative meaning. It was a term of contempt or derision. You know, there's some words that are not to be used in today's society because of the negative connotations that have gone along with those. And that, that you will get yourself kicked off of Facebook, Twitter, or any place else like that for using these words. That's the type of name Christian was considered then. It was an insult. It would be like looking at Jonathan Martin and saying, you little Chad. That's not necessarily an insult because you look just like your daddy. But he doesn't think, he doesn't like it. But basically what they were doing, all oh, you bunch of little Jesuses, you think you're so good. That's what they were doing. There was a negative connotation to it when being called a Christian. They were making fun of them. But over time, that derogatory term became a positive designation. Because as it continued, they began to realize that they were being judged, they were being persecuted for the cause of Christ. And what better name to take than the name of our Savior? So when they called you a Christian, there was evidence in your life that you were a follower of Christ. And you were labeled by His name. And so that negative word that was meant as a derogatory term became a positive designation. And there was a sense of suffering and reproach attached to the term in the New Testament as you find in 1 Peter where he says, if you suffer for being a Christian, take glory in His name. And occasionally today, you will hear someone spit the term Christian in the same manner as it was used in the early days of the church. You know, um, you see it a lot now. I actually saw an interview with some, I don't know who she was, but it was about the, the overturning of Roe versus Wade, and she was interviewing on a news show, in a talk show, and she said, she goes, all these Christians, I don't care what your Bible says, I don't care what, what verse and chapter it says, I don't care about what Jesus said. But all you Christians are ruining the world. Now, do you think she meant that in a positive way? I remember one time um, when I was in college, vacation Bible school, they had a, a, a lot of children that prayed to accept Christ 
And so they sent letters to all the churches that these children attended. And the majority of them were very receptive. But there was one church that they got a letter back and said, and this was pointed toward Baptist, but it said, you Baptists are all the same thinking that you're going to save the entire world. That was from another church. Because someone had prayed to accept Christ and they wanted them to know. See, the term Christian has been corrupted. But I'm going to give you a simple answer to the question, what is a Christian? Point blank. A Christian is someone that belongs to Jesus Christ. You see, as a Christian... In God's sight, I'm priceless. In God's sight, you're priceless. I have been bought with a price. The precious blood of Jesus Christ purchased me. Paul says, I am the bondservant of Jesus. He has been purchased with a price. Church, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are a bondservant to Jesus Christ. You are a slave by choice to Jesus Christ. And because of the price that was paid for us, we, there is nothing that we can do to ever compensate for that price. We are priceless. We're not worthless. We are priceless. Because Jesus loved us enough that in while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So being a Christian does not happen by accident or chance. See, a lot of times if you go and you, you ask somebody, are you a Christian? Do you know Jesus Christ is your Savior? They'll say, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. I, I belong to such and such church. I was baptized at eight years old. I was, uh, my, my parents were members of such and such church and I was born into that church. Or I was born a Christian because I was born in America. Guys. It's not by chance. It's not by anything that we could ever do to deserve it. It doesn't happen because we're born to a certain family. You don't become a Christian because you get dunked in that water. That What happens there is a result of what happened in the first place. That's an outward expression of what God did in, or Christ did in our lives. See, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. 
not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. No one can say, I deserve to be a Christian. I deserve to go to heaven. I rushed into a burning building and saved a bunch of people. I gave so much money to this organization. I did this this many times. None of it. None of it matters. When you stand before God and He says, why should I let you into my heaven? There is only one answer that is going to let Him, let him to let you in. And that is, your Son died for me. Your Son is my Savior and I am a child of the King. The only way And then being a Christian, it does require a conversion of the heart. There has to be a change. Just by claiming the name. Listen, I've got, I've got a little five-year-old boy and a little one-year-old girl that calls me grandpa. They are no blood relation. They call Ginger grandma. We have no blood relation with these children. But to them, there is no way you can convince them otherwise. But when it gets down to it, they can call me grandpa all they want. And I will let them and I will even answer them when they come and climb up in my lap and call me grandpa. But there is nothing, regardless of what they call me, will make me their biological grandfather. It is impossible. So there has to be a change in us. It just doesn't happen by accident. There has to be a conversion of the heart. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things pass away. Behold, new things have come. Church, I am so grateful for that verse right there. And for the fact that when Jesus Christ came into my life, the old already was gone. And it wasn't a gradual process. It was gone. I am not the same person I used to be. I deal with some of the same issues, but by the grace of God and the help of the Holy Spirit, I am able to get through those. The things that used to be a stumbling block for me, the things that I used to go do, the running around, the wanting to, to, to get in fights and doing everything I, we could to get in fights, those days are gone. Because of the grace of God. It is nothing that I did, but it's all because of Jesus Christ. And there are people sitting all over this congregation right now. You know, that, that, that say the same thing. I know for a fact there's a couple of people sitting in here right now that you would not even recognize if it was the old them. You know, Bob Ramsey, 
Those of you that know Bob, by all accounts, Bob was a pain in the neck. But I'm going to tell you right now, I love Bob. We used to get into some arguments, but I love Bob. And he was having a hip replacement surgery. And he was in the hospital. And this, is, this was several years before he died. And I went in to see him and he says, you may tell you something, Artie? And he was crying when he told me this. And to have a Marine start crying, you know Jesus has done something. He said, there have been people in here to see me and check on me all day long. He goes, I don't deserve it. And he goes, that's the change that Jesus brought to my life. Because before I accepted Christ, I could have guaranteed you that not even my own family would have came here to see me. My wife wouldn't have come to see me. My children would not have come see me. But because of Jesus Christ changing my life, I have had people here all day. Now church, this is just a short, scratching the surface answer. What is a Christian? It's someone that belongs to Jesus Christ. Next Sunday, the Lord willing, I'm going to be sharing with you a sermon that goes into a little bit more detail. And over the next several weeks, next week we're going to be talking, is there a difference between being a disciple and being a Christian? Because the Great Commission does not tell us to go out and make Christians. The Great Commission tells us to do what? Go out and make disciples. So we're going to talk about the difference between being a Christian and a disciple. And what does that mean for us as we move forward? Well, church, this is your opportunity now. This is the time as we end this service that there is an invitation. One, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, this is your opportunity to come. And I will explain it to you how to accept Christ. There are other people that are more than willing to talk to you and pray with you so that you will understand what it means to be a Christian. What it means to take the name of Christ. And let me tell you something. The great thing about God, He loves you just like you are. You don't have to change a thing. He loves you just like you are. But thank goodness, He loves us too much to leave us there. He doesn't want you to stay the way you are. He wants to change you from the inside out. Making you a new creature. He is asking you to come to Him just as you are. Second thing, if you're here and you know Jesus Christ is your Savior and you want to unite with this body of believers... I invite you to come. Talk to me. Let me know. We would love to have you be part of this family. 
If there's someone that you need to go get something right with, this is your opportunity to do that. As we sing this song, this is your chance to do business with God. Don't let it go to waste. Would you stand as we sing our hymn of invitation, number 294, Have Thine Own Way, Lord, 294. Thank you for being here today. Um, make sure that you speak to Skyler, who is in Kids Church right now, and Corey, and, 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 and just congratulate them on following Christ and being obedient to Him and following Him in baptism. Wednesday night, 6.30, Bible study in here in the sanctuary. We're going to continue with our study of Acts. We're going through Acts. We invite you to join us here. Youth and children will be meeting in the youth building at 6, uh, 6.30 as well. So please join Pastor Chad and, and the other adults that will be working with the children and the youth um, there at 6.30. Don't forget, September 11th begins our revival services. Sunday through Wednesday. I am needing... Volunteer host that would be willing the four weeks leading up to our revival services, each week we're going to have a cottage prayer meeting. We are not wanting refreshments. I'm looking at you because I know that you would do it anyway. No refreshments, no drinks, no food, nothing. We're going for one purpose. And that is to pray for revival in our church and in our country. So, if you're interested and willing to hosting that at your home, please let me know. We're needing at least four homes so each week. And you guys get to pick which day you want to do it. But at least, if we have eight, that would be incredible. If we had 16, that would be fabulous. Willing to do that in their homes. But to host prayer meetings leading up to our, our, our service, our, our revival services. Thank you for being here. Um, Jim, would you please, as our Deacon of the Week dismiss us, don't forget that we do have business meeting immediately following the, the dismissal of, the, uh, of our service. Thank you. Pray with me, please. Most gracious Heavenly Father, thank you so much 
for the young lives of Skylar and Corey that are now part of the kingdom. They're new creations, and you've entrusted them to us to lead them and disciple them in what it means to walk with Christ. Give us the strength, give us the determination and perseverance to be good examples, good teachers, good role models, and most of all, to lead them in the light of your word. Thank you for the word we've heard this morning through Pastor Artie. Thank you for helping us to, to know what it means to be a Christian. Help us to reach out to this lost world and to make disciples all, all we encounter. As we now begin a, a, a time of business, I ask for discernment and wisdom. And thank you for all the blessings you've bestowed upon this church. In Christ's name, amen.